Hey, welcome everybody to the Shadow Dragon Podcast Season 3, Episode 1. And uh, we have some wonderful guests today. Um, David, want to introduce yourself real quick? David Cook. I'm a marketing director for government here at Shadow Dragon and a repeat customer here at, uh, at the podcast. I'm Elliot Anderson. I'm the CTO at Shadow Dragon. I manage all the technical operations. And I've been on this podcast for, I don't know how many episodes we're on, but here I am. For all 12 listeners, I'm Daniel Clements. Founder of Shadow Dragon. So we are here at a team meeting in Nashville, the United States, having fun and having a drink. So cheers, yeah. everybody. So cheers. cheers. Taking the year off? Yes, taking the year off. And that's also something that I think we should talk a little bit about, taking a break or resetting yourself when it comes to doing investigations or in general in life. Mm-hmm. How do you guys deal with taking a break during an investigation or how do you look at that perspective? Is it important? Totally important. So, like, I would say, usually, you know, you're you're in your collection phase, right? And with an investigation, you've got, you know, who's who who you think is the bad guy, where it happened, when it happened. You've got a lot of different puzzle pieces that are kind of floating around, right? And so, your brain works differently with something that's not sequential, something that's visual spatial that has to m- fit together and an investigation kind of feels like that you know so you're trying to put together puzzle pieces that may not need to go together it uh, it feels awkward and usually for me around probably the I would say the third or fourth day my ego is pretty demanding saying hey you suck why haven't you solved this problem why haven't you put this together why don't you know what's going on and and that's where I've got to you know kind of really step back from that and and realize like okay that's just i'm you know there's something demanding here that's normal human behavior don't let it push you around too much but you know once i get to a stopping point where i've gone through as much collection as possible i've documented stuff i've I've got a good feel for things but i don't really have all the clues that are fitting together um i'll go mow the lawn I'll go driving the car, listening to music, you know, like do something intentional to zone out. Don't go get wasted or anything like that because that's not going to really help you. But um, do something to, to zone out and your subconscious is going to put some of the pieces together. Not all of them, but just being able to give yourself the break. You got to give yourself that permission and then go do something else. And then there's a lot of aha moments that I think come from that just because you're letting your brain do a lot of the heavy lifting. You've already done most of it, but some of the aha moments are gonna really just gel together as you let it, so. Yeah, and I- That's kinda how I roll with it. I agree when it comes to that, because when you do an investigation, or at least when I look at an investigation, I'm always fully, fully focused. It's not like, there's no such thing as being half focused in in an investigation, which also means that while you're taking notes, sometimes you get an idea, but you also instantly forget the idea mm-hmm. because you're so into that zone, basically. And I think when you take a step back, just like you said, just mowing the lawn, you remember. You remember your own thoughts that you had initially. And I think that, that really, yeah, that really resonated with me, that comment. I think it also helps, like you may not have all the puzzle pieces going together, but it's like, 
you start having more questions that start arising, and that helps you go back to the problem again, you know? Um, you know, I think that Dan hit on something important, and that's, I think a lot of times when you're working on something and you can't figure it out, I think generally most people feel stupid, and they feel like they can't understand, they, Sometimes you hear it called imposter syndrome. You know, I run a, mm -hmm. a bunch of, in, you know, an engineering team, and it, it's really common where you just feel like you're an idiot and you can't understand what's happening or, or, or how it works. And I think that a lot of times it's really important that when you're in those moments of needing to kind of pull back and, and get away from things, that you do things that you like. Like, I think... Mm -hmm. um, like, I like playing video games. I love, I love playing Overwatch right now. I mean, I played Counter-Strike for like 20 years, and so that was kind of my go-to thing. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get my kids, and I'll, I'll play Overwatch, and, and then I'll, you know, do that, and then I'll talk about, oh, why did we lose this match, and what happened? And it kind of creates these neural pathways or, or whatever that, that are happy and, or angry or whatever happened, and then you kind of go to sleep and then as you're getting into that space, you start realizing, like you said, thoughts that you had or things like that. And so like, <clears throat> I think one of the really important things is when you're stuck in an investigation, it's really important to find what you like and, and do that. Um, I think you mentioned mowing lawn because I have a feeling you like doing that and listening to music. Right, like it, lets, it definitely lets me like zone out and I'm accomplishing something. You know what I mean? Something methodical. I'm doing an investigation methodically. I'm mowing the lawn methodically, or I'm driving the car, listening to music, and you know, like, I mean, that's my jam. You know, like, it just helps me disconnect, get in a new environment. You know? Yeah, I, I, I just think that it's really important that as investigators, and, and sometimes I think even the content is just really, really bad. You know, you, you, we look at some of the worst stuff in the world, and vicarious trauma is real. Yeah, it's yeah. real. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a real thing, and so it, it helps to kind of take a step back and go, well, like you know, like I said, I play Overwatch, and I'll I'll get I got a, a younger younger kids, and we'll play and we'll argue about who held their shield up at the right point, and and it's like your and your mind is completely focused on that, or that's how my mind works, you know, I'm completely focused on that, and it gets away from the investigation where your mind is completely focused and you're completely polarized and you're just focusing on it, and then. You go to something else, and I, I, I think that makes your brain kind of reset a little bit. And then when you come back to it, all of a sudden there's these different pathways and things you were talking about. Um, and that opens it up, and it gives you, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily dopamine. I'm like a doctor, but it gives you good feelings or bad feelings. Sometimes you're angry at video games or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it changes that pattern, and you're getting your mind off of this. And then... As it starts working over the problems, I think that I think that break really helps, and that's something that I don't think culturally we're good at doing. No. Uh, no, Western so. culture, we suck at it. Like, we always just like just keep getting better, just keep doing more, and keep. And then that imposter syndrome makes it even worse, where you're just like, oh my god, I'm an idiot. I, I know it's here. I know the data's here, and it's like. But it's the human brain that needs rest, right? Yeah. We yeah. don't get tired for no reason. It's like. The brain literally asks your body to shut down for a couple of minutes at least to process everything that happened that day. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was an analyst in government, sometimes we had 
14, 16, 18 hour working days, um, especially after a murder was committed or something like that. And you did investigations, but Team Lead demanded me as an analyst to put in more, the most hours of the entire team because all the data at the end of the day ended up on my desk. I'm like, yeah, but if you expect me to be awake 18 hours a day for let's say two weeks, there will be a moment that I will miss the most important nugget because right. my brain just won't function anymore. Yeah. So David, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I think, you know, when I've done it in the past and, and you know, conducted research or an investigation, I think that you know, when I had gaps, I would fill it in, you know, naturally. I think, you know, we're, we're, we're prone to stories, we're prone to a narrative. And so uh, if you have gaps, you, you start to fill it in. Why does this person, you know, take this route instead of another or uh, use this product or, or another or, or whatever? Um, and so I think that you, you have to take breaks because you come back to it and go, wait a second, that's really dumb. Like, why, why would this person like do that? Like, wh why did I think that? And so you have to start thinking about like, you know, when, when you have those gaps and you fill them in, am I right? You have to stop thinking about like, I'm right. And, and why do I think I'm right? Yeah. Or why do I know I'm right? Uh, and then, so you have to start confirming those and most of the time I think that those are where the that's where the real gold is I mean yeah. I would say like for me like we, we ran into this a few times and basically the process that we came up with was you know yeah you, you've got your moleskin notebook and every day start the day off with your theories you know um, in your thesis yeah. and and write it down like I think a B and C it's just and like then, doing analysis of a competing hypothesis. Right, yeah. yeah. And then and then through the day, you know, like write down what supports it or what doesn't support it. And then at the end of the day, review like, okay, I've looked at all this data. Does anything support those theories, you know, or the, the, the thesis of the day? And if not, scratch it off and write up why. And that helps kind of like weed out your own bias, right? Um, sure. And your own and your own ego that's demanding like things fit into a narrative because it's like you, you go to write that report up, you got an executive report, you're just giving facts and then you have all your findings and your appendix that support the facts. I remember we had this one girl working for us and um, she wrote up this really big report and it was, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, but you know, after reading the executive overview, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's really bad, oh my goodness. But then I, as I looked at all the findings, like nothing supported her summary. And I, so I go back to her, I'm like, so how'd you get from, you know, A, B, C, and D, like your conclusion? Oh, it's obvious. I was like, well, it's not obvious to me. Where's like, the crumb path? Where'd you, how'd you get to this? Like, you, you obviously made findings, that's why you have them. Like, she could never get to that conclusion because her mindset was always fitting in, well, I've got this story. It's super, this guy's super evil and super bad. And I was like, you know, like that puts us in a, in a position of liability if we present this and we don't have any facts that support it. And, and she really got really offended by, you know, like me just being like, look, you're, you're just wrong. 
Like, but that's can, so you, important. You know, the you, team you, effort you, of, you of being be devil's wrong. advocate of each other yeah. and, and proofreading, and that's that's I think you just it's spot on. There are so many investigators, including myself, that every now and then you jump to a conclusion. Right. Yeah. It's nothing you can do about it. It's just how your human mind works. And if you cannot do this as a group and point out, hey, great hypothesis, but where are the facts? Right. I would also say, like, for me, the most valuable tool was just a timeline. Yeah. Excel spreadsheet with a timeline, like time, statement, or fact. And then like what you're saying, like you still have those gaps, but it's like at some point the data will tell me the story out of that timeline. And it's so boring, but hey man, if you wanna be good at this, like be okay with boring. Yeah. Cause like, and be okay with that third or fourth day when your, your ego is like, hey idiot. <laughs> Why don't you have this? And then you have some lawyer who's like, hey, I'm paying you all this money to figure this out. And he's a total dick. And you're like, I hate this guy, you know, like, yeah. but you got to just give yourself a little bit of patience to be like, uh. And be honest, sometimes not finding an answer yeah. is the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I think, you know, the team effort and saying, you, you have to realize that you've been in the rabbit hole for long enough and, and pass it off to somebody else and go, I look at this, I'm gonna take a walk for 20 minutes. Exactly. Like, just check my work. Yeah. This is crazy. What worked best for me when I handed over my reports to someone who had little to no open source intelligence yeah. skills, yeah. they were like, doesn't make sense. Please, yeah, no, please explain, it. please explain. I would always give my reports, even, even on assessments, to my wife. I'd be like, hey. You're brave. <laughs> yeah. Brave guy. I know, my wife is killer. <laughs> <laughs> She's a killer, watch out. And she just, you know, that, that helped me hone in report writing a good bit. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, I was thinking about while we were talking about this, and, and it's, it's more, you know, my background's done a lot of us and investigative stuff but my background's heavily in an engineering world and I remember a <clears throat> I remember a time where I was in a war room at a very large company and um, an engineer who works with me right now um, had been up for about 24 hours we'd mm -hmm. had a very long day the company was hemorrhaging money over a over a you know failed installation or, or something and um, he was getting hounded repeatedly by management, right? What's the status of this? What's this? Why is this down? What's going on? You know, that kind of thing. And um, I realized he, he was one of the smartest people I know. I mean, incredibly intelligent guy. Um, super, super high IQ. And he was having trouble answering the most simplistic questions. And I was looking at him like, what's going on? And so I start kind of answering for him. Yeah, you know, we're doing this or we're doing that or whatever. And the, the, the management group left. <clears throat> I walked over and I was like, hey man, what's going on? He's like, I'm having trouble. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong, you know? And so we start working through it. And he's got his hands on the keyboard and he can't type. Like he, he can't type, and I was like, "Okay, you wanna 
okay, you want to, we were looking at like, it was like Linux computers. Like, so I was like, okay, you want to do type this command? I'll type, and I was telling him what to type. And finally I was like, oh my gosh, I'm telling the smartest guy I know. His brain turned to mush. Yeah. He, 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 <laughs> he was, he was just tired. He was <laughs> dead. He was, now that's an extreme situation. But I think I, I, I'm kind of trying to summarize what we're talking about. I said, hey man, go home, go to sleep. I will handle whatever level of, you know, high profile money screaming we have to deal with. I'll deal with it. Just go home and everybody, everybody go. Everybody that's in here, get out of here. Go, you gotta go, you know. Go home, take a nap, sleep for six or eight hours, you know, come back and we'll, but. Um, I stayed because I'm not smart. <laughs> it got dumber and dumber because I had been up also. And um, I kind of had fallen asleep and I was starting to wake up and uh, some of the guys came back in and uh, immediately solved the problem in like 20 minutes. No, oh, yeah. Like, Immediately, like so, immediately, and this guy couldn't even type. And he, and I, when I say he's one of the smartest people I know, I mean, he is like no, he's super mental. smart. Yeah. I, I, uh, he's super I, I've smart. seen this pattern too, though. Like, for those that don't know, like I did years and years of assessments. Like, I was into writing exploits. That was my thing. I loved it. And and so like. In that culture, you know, like there's this kind of this rise around 2000, 2001, 2002 of um, the hacker culture was getting popular, right? And we joke about it because you knew the dudes who were new who would show up on site would be wearing black leather, leather pants. We called them the leather pants guys. Um, they wanted you to know, like, they were dangerous. And thank the Wachowski serious. brothers for that. Right, like no, it was serious. Like so, we call them the leather pants guys who were showing up, um, and they the, the this this archetype would also have this idea that like I always stay up late at night, right? I always code late at night, right? Like, and that's the sign of the super genius hacker. And I was, I was like, I don't know about that, right? Like, yeah, drinking mate and staying up late. Right. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like this seems like the diminishing returns, right? So. Um, when we when we uh, had started Shadow Dragon and you know we started doing you know more code quality stuff, um, we hired this guy and and he was just like that. He was like, oh yeah, I'm like I get all my inspiration at ten o'clock, right? And we we're like, well, I don't know about that, right? Um, so we just started just I just started watching all of his code check ins, and then figuring out like you know he'd work really late, submit some piece of code. It'd go into production, things would break, he'd be sleeping in the morning, we'd show up, and we're fixing stuff for four or five hours. And so finally, we, that was the first policy we ever had was nobody can work after 9 p.m. No code check-ins after like six, unless it's like a critical thing approved, right? Because like this, just this diminishing returns if you, think that you're gonna always be the super genius because you stayed up at 11 or two or whatever. And it just, it's, it's just this farce, you know? It's just total bullshit. Like, you need lots of sleep. Your brain needs it, yeah. you know? Yeah, I told you earlier, I was teaching class for Japan. Yeah. And uh, I was in front of a full classroom and I was all of a sudden like, why are they looking so weird at me? The entire classroom was like, going like, 
what's going on? <laughs> Until I noticed that I was actually teaching my class, which was supposed to be in English, in my own native language, in Dutch, because my brain just turned to moose because it's a 12-hour time zone right, for right. me. Yeah. Oh, I was, yeah, that's good. Until one of those <laughs> students raised their hands, uh, and I'm like, and I'm like, I just asked class, what's going on? And they're like, we can't understand you. And I'm like, oh, why? You're not talking in English. And I'm like, okay, 50-minute breaks, give me a Red Bull, <laughs> like that. It was amazing. But that's just basically what you said. Yeah. If you don't have enough rest for the brain, your brain will start doing really strange things. But also, we talked about the, the, the previous podcast, we talked about the book Visual Intelligence Analysis, mm -hmm. just how the brain works. Imagine if you're tired, you will see stuff that's not there. Right. I mean, and I think that's why you have to have a good methodical workflow. Yeah. There's sequential evidence collection, there's plotting out your artifacts, what they, what they are, when they happened, and then, like, that's just sequential work, and then your visual spatial, like, that's great for OSN. And that's why link analysis is so great, because, and some of the AI stuff, even though I loathe it, um, it's cool because then you start seeing the patterns exactly. start yeah. emerging, and you have multiple artifacts pointing to the same thing as you've been able to, you know, hyper-focus on this branch. Oh, it comes back to this, and I mean, like, visually, yeah, literally connecting the dots. It, yeah, yeah, you're connecting the dots, and visually, truth has a circle. Yeah, yeah. kind of cool. It's yeah. part of the it's part of the storytelling part yeah. of it in your brain is you know you have the evidence, uh, but but you you have to process it as a narrative, as a story, right? right? And so the the visual part of it is that you can draw a line from A to B to C, and and I, and, and I would say also for the younger people getting into the industry. You know, like, be okay with being patient. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's no race. You don't need to be famous. You don't need to be well-known. You need to be doing one good job at a time, yeah. you know, and being patient with yourself. That's clutch, man. I saw I saw a really funny, uh, I was watching, a, I don't know, YouTube or something the other day, and I saw this comedian, and he, he was joking around about mindfulness. Oh, yeah. And I was like... Can, hey, Elliot... Can you unpack that for me? I can unpack the mindfulness. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, let me see the unpack. He was talking about mindfulness, and <laughs> he was like, "Nobody from our generation, and we're old. We're old as hell." Um, but uh, they were like, "No one from our generation talked about mindfulness." They're like, "You know why? Because when you got on the bus, there's some mindfulness for you. <laughs> you got no phone, no music. You're just, you're just, you're just. Oh, I'm on the bus, and, and I'm being mindful." Um, I think that uh, I think that it's a bit of a lost art, and I'm not going to be a space cadet and talk about focus and doing some yoga or spacing out. But like, you know, I, I think that that's an important part of life that's a, that's that's been a part of the human experience for forever, and now we don't really get to experience that anymore. We don't we don't get to experience more. I can grab my phone on the airplane and watch parts of the Caribbean, which I totally didn't do on the way out here. You know, <laughs> but, but um, you know, that, that was something that we don't experience so much, and I think that we're kind of programmed to do that. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a, you So know, let's talk about that dopamine loop, though, man, you know? Like, oh, he said, hey, the TikTok, I can get on a soapbox No, like, right this here. is the warfare we're at, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, degrade your ability to focus, yeah. degrade your ability to, like, really step back and look at stuff, 
because you have to always be stimulated. Yeah. You have to always feel good, which, I mean, then that has all sorts of repercussions. The willingness to fight, the willingness to work, like, it's and like- it doesn't stop. Right, it's this control structure through pleasure versus straight tyranny, right? Like, yeah, I, I think that, I think, you know, I think when we look at, you know, the uptick in a lot of sort of the mental conditions that are, you know, we, we've seen, you know, someone could say this in comments, uh, maybe I'm wrong or whatever, but I know, you know, there's increases in, in, in autism spectrum disorders and ADD and all those kinds of things, and it's, and so we were, you know, we were programmed to, to have those moments, I think, and then, and 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 then have moments of, of dopamine or moments mm -hmm. of of chaos or I'm hunting this thing I have to eat or I have to, go out and chop vegetables for the next six hours and it's like it's like there was a, there was a, a bit of a cyclical pattern and now, it's sort of just, a, a a line of like sort of I need to feel good about everything. And so when you bring that into investigations or even into building tools, I mean, from a, from a more engineering perspective, you can't always feel good all the time because what drives you to get better is to feel bad. Um, right, and, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's a feeling that, you know, I think a lot of the world is avoiding, and I, maybe I'm getting a little meta on all this, but, but I think it's really important. Dude, I, I'm totally driving with you. I, I mean, I, I totally think like, I mean, so in the backdrop, we have the Industrial Revolution, right? You know? Yeah. And then... The lathe started it. Boom. Yeah. Like, you've got that going on, which is really in contrast to an agrarian society, which was, like, even you look at our sleep patterns. From 1900 onward, the sleep patterns changed. As soon as electricity came around. Electricity came around, right? Like, we, we, we had less sleep. Uh, coffee was becoming a big thing. Like... All sorts of great innovations started started really peaking, but like it kind of changed how people thought. Like it was very like uh, product based. You know, you put this input in, you get this input out. Versus agrarian, I think like an agrarian mindset of like you know methodical workflow of you got to till this thing up, you've got to plant it, you've got to water it, you've got to, like, you're having a relationship with something and it's growing. OSN, like, that's, OSN and good investigations, you're having a relationship with the suspects, even though you don't know them yet, you know, like, you don't physically know them, you're having a relationship with the data, the data ends up telling you a story much like a very agrarian, like, culture versus a product-based culture, and that's kind of that tension where, I feel like you see people on on you know the internet and like some people are raging against these products suck or that product sucks and and one thing or another and it's you know method versus products and really they're talking about industrialism versus an agrarian workflow or you know agrarian relationship with what's going on and I think there's there's a balance to be had and we're kind of at that tipping point with AI starting to tell people Oh, these are the these are the correlations, which is kind of cool, but kind of not cool, right? Like that that aha moment that you get, that subtle dopamine that you get when you're like, oh, the puzzle pieces go together. This is great. We figured it out. Some of the AI is going to start doing that for us. Yeah, but keep in mind, the the AI doesn't have a gut feeling. 
and it will never have a gut feeling. No, and it can't think ahead at this point very far. It can't take two or three steps. And I, of course, these things will improve over the coming decades. But I, I, think, I agree. I think when it comes to investigators and using their own brain, their own brain, I think my biggest concern nowadays is when I see new young people stepping into the ocean realm, is their attention time span is so much shorter than people who are, let's say, quote unquote, veterans. I was used to do investigations where I found basically nothing for days. Or a year, a or, year yeah. or two. Yeah. And nowadays, if they cannot find, let's say, at least one pivot point within 15 minutes, they're like, there's nothing to be found in this case. And that's just how they are consumed through all these platforms that we just talked about. Yeah, I think that's the unintended consequence of some of the platforms. So, like, I would say, like, hey, if you want to get better, make a list of everything you would check manually. And do that like three times. That's that's like three or four months of 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 a mental map in your brain where you're building these pathways, but you're really building questions. Like, I need to go to this source and I need to ask this question. And it's not about having all the answers at your fingertips, like what we've been talking about. It's about asking the right questions. You ask the right questions, you get the right answers, right? Like, and so I feel like that's a better pathway if like that's where we started right like at the beginning it was like okay you got like a hundred different places you need to check for something it took weeks and weeks so i was like maybe we should automate this you know like and um that just helped speed up the process just a little bit so we could ask better questions and so anyway i'm just rambling on right now but yeah but also it, it makes me think about for example marketing so 10 years ago, there were like, you had a newspaper and you had maybe 10 advertisements. So it was way easier to sell your product. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's how I look at it. And now there's advertisements everywhere right. about everything all the time. So I think if we, you know, we talked about taking time out of an, of an investigation to, you know, reset, rethink about it. But, you know, from an adversary standpoint, like you, you don't want anybody to think about anything, right? You want right, them right. to just constantly Walmart. hit them with, yeah. yeah, with information. And so I know, you know, last podcast we talked about uh, the books we were reading, right? And there's, yeah. a, there's a book called Propaganda by Jacques Ellul, and, and I was reading it on the plane here, and I was thinking about, you know, time and, and uh, what you kind of force yourself to do or what you need to do uh, during your investigation. So I'm, I'm going to read this quote because I think it's... Uh, it's totally worth it. Um, and and Jacques Ellul, he talks about, by the way, this book is written in, in the 60s, early 60s. Before the TV really took off. Right. And Color TV. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. talks about modern propaganda. So in 1963, think about what you know modern propaganda was. But and he, he talks about the, the characteristics of good propaganda. And he says, to the extent that propaganda is based on current news, it cannot permit time for thought or reflection a man caught up in the news must remain on the surface of the event. He is carried along in the event and can at no time take a respite to judge and appreciate. He can never stop to reflect. So I think, you know, if you just let that sink in and, and the There's a lot in that statement, though. Yeah. Right? This guy's being bullied. Yeah. Not just by news. Yeah. But, like, his lifestyle, his debt 
his like, like how many things are pushing this guy around? Yeah. And think about that. I mean, you know, we carry this. I just, you know, I read this quote off my phone. Like I didn't memorize it. I didn't whatever. But I mean, we carry these tiny computers around with us. And, you know, what does that do to our memory? What does that do? I mean, it's constantly giving me notifications for everything. And, you know, there's no time to reflect and, and kind of put all the pieces together. You, you can't see the whole picture. We're forgetting, children are forgetting how to use a pen and actually write yeah. sentences. Oh, Just yeah. because of these things. Yeah, yeah. It's spot on, that quote, by the way. It's like, create the ultimate tunnel vision, 24-7, 365. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you a story. Like we were, we were doing this investigation. Um, investigation took all, about two years, and I felt very fortunate that we we made a lot of money on it. Um, we, but we had the privilege of focusing on this, like sixty, seventy, eighty hours a week in this little room. Everybody's still, mostly everybody is still friends. And, um, you know, like, we'd separated up the tasks for everybody to do stuff. There was a, you know, the person who would go collect stuff. There was somebody who would go index stuff. And then um, we, we had what we called gold diggers, right? We, the, the people who knew the whole picture. And, and then I would have to, like, report stuff, you know? And, um, and, and I did gold digging as well. And so, um, but one of the things that we did was like everything we looked at, we made this master timeline for the whole thing. And, and at the very beginning, there was some stuff that I saw where I was like, huh, that's kind of weird, but I have no context. And it wasn't until like a year and a half into it where I was like, huh, every time this one event happens, they talk about this one other subject. And it was a very distinct subject that they would talk about in email. So we knew that there was a communication pattern and then this subject that just looked very benign if you were just reading it without, you know, a full timeline and a year and a half of data. I mean, we had like 200 pieces of evidence in the case, you know, like hundreds of gigabytes. And it wasn't until you looked at the timeline where you're like, oh my gosh, right before this major event happens, there's always a communication about this one topic. And it was so like, we saw it, we all saw it at the very beginning of the investigation, but then not until the very end could you really put the puzzle pieces together. Like, when they communicate about this topic, it actually means this other thing. And I mean, we spent so much time in this little boring room and looking at all this data for it to be this one stupid little thing. And, and what would happen was right before we'd go like collect a bunch of evidence, they'd communicate this one little subject and it just looked so benign and PG, you know, and then it would be like, dude, they'd get the drop on us every time. <laughs> like, and I was like, dang it, man, how have they figured it out? And it's like, oh, 
set one topic. Yeah. It was super boring, yeah. but that was it. That was the end of the story. We ended up writing it all up, and that was it. The investigation was over, and that was, I mean, that was, anyway. Okay, Elliot, what are your thoughts on this? Um, so one of the things that I, I talk a lot about with my kids and, you know, we talk about younger investigators and stuff, and I think that most of the investigators in this generation are similar to the age of maybe close to where my kids are at. But it is, is you talked about the long-term investigation and sort of the, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm failing at this, and one of the things I talk a lot about with my kids is, is, you know, it's from Twitch or the video game world, it's just you gotta get good. And getting good involves being miserable. Um, I grew up in yeah. the 80s, I had to play Mega Man, I played Mario 3, those games. And then your father, your father. I mean, <laughs> he, yeah, you had to get good. <laughs> um, the idea though is like, if you didn't get good, you, 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 yeah, you just lose over and over and you're miserable. But eventually, it becomes easy. And um, a number of, uh, and a few months back, uh, my oldest daughter, she's, she's, she's just now a teenager. She, I, I gave her a goal that was video, video game related. I said, you can't play any other video games except this one until you beat the last boss. She got right up to the end and she couldn't beat the last guy. And I said, you have to beat that guy or you can't play anything else. And uh, I had one of her parents' friends come to me and be like, did you ground her to one video game? I was like, that's correct. I did. I did. I grabbed yeah. her to one game. <laughs> it was Undertale for you guys who are interested. And she couldn't beat this last boss. And uh, she kept dying, kept dying, kept dying. And I said, you can't play anything else. I don't care if you have your homework done. I don't care what's going on. You have to beat that guy. And she played it, played it, played it. And finally, she beat the guy. And she melted down. She was so excited. But she had put so much energy into that, into that. Yeah. And, and then she found out there was different endings if you went through the game different ways. And she went through that game for like 20 hours or 30 or I don't know how many, and did all the different endings. Uh, one of the endings is like you don't kill anything in the game, you just dodge every fight and you get to the ending and you're a pacifist. And then another ending is you kill everything in the game, you kill literally your friends. Like, and, and she did all of that, but she never would have done that. She never would have felt that feeling had she not taken the time to get good. Dude, I'm totally with you on that. Like, so I'm gonna hijack you a little bit. Like, that's okay. That's that was my point. Like, is is being investigators about getting good? No, it's like fail. and, and to hacking too. Like, you wanna you wanna be a good hacker? Feel the suck. Okay. Yeah. So like, I was a a senior in high school. I had moved out. I had had an apartment with this other guy, and he was like a super hacker. This is before Frack came out and Alof One smashing the stack article came out, like he was like writing exploits before everyone knew how to do it. And I'm living with him, loving life. Cause I was like, this is awesome. All I wanna do is hack shit and write exploits and become a sysadmin, that was my aspiration. And uh, it was really hard to pursue knowledge because there wasn't Google. Alta Vista hadn't even come out yet, like right? You, you had to like form these relationships and you had to find the dude who had 
the books, the sysadmin books for the Vax machine or the Solaris machine. And like, so seeking knowledge was like this like relational path, but also like a path of frustration until you could even find the knowledge and then you had to consume it and then you had to use it. And then it was like, then you had to put these puzzle pieces together. And it was just like, once you got what you were after, the dopamine hit was just like, this is awesome. Yeah. But the other side of it was my roommate was so so such a badass. Like, he, I mean, he was just so cool, but also so mean. If I came to him with the wrong questions, so, so a Linux hacker, yeah, we right. Got it. He was yeah. like, I mean, so like, yeah, we would have like these arguments between like, should Spark Systems be it, or is it is Linus this Linus Torvalds guy the man, right? Like, and um, just before loadable kernel modules, that was a big argument, right? So anyway. If I came to him with a really stupid question, because I didn't do my homework, I didn't read the manual, I didn't do any research, I just wanted an answer, he would just say, hey, Dan, guess what? That's a stupid question. Go RTFM. Yeah, so, so he'd say, yeah, go RTFM, go read the manual, you know? But he's just like, I lived with him, I worked with him. Like, it was like that, part of the relationship was ingrained. I'm, you know, 18, 19 years old. And um, the end conclusion was it's better to know where your information is and where to get it and then research it versus having any instant gratification because you're just not going to get it, you know? You're not going to get it. And so that, that it sucks and it's hard thing, it's, you know, you don't get good unless you feel lonely and you're okay with feeling lonely. And like, like even getting the solution, it's still just boring. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. Right? Like, I remember like one time uh, MTV came to me and they're like, yo, let's, uh, let's have this hacker show or whatever. And I was like, that's the worst idea ever, dude. You know, like, thanks, but I didn't need to fly here for this. You could have just asked me on the phone. And they were like, oh, aren't you wowed by all this? And I was like, this is stupid. And so like, why is it stupid, right? And I was like, let me tell you this, all right? So like, this is what a hacker's like, or, or an investigation, it could be the same. You're sitting in a room for three weeks by yourself. Eating Doritos. Yeah, eating Doritos or whatever reverse engineering some protocol to figure out how to decrypt whatever, and then you do. Your wife is the only one in the house who's gonna be like, oh, that's cool, honey. Great, glad you're happy. You go to the coffee shop, hey, Dan, how's it going? Oh, man, you would not believe social diarrhea. You know, like, I got this super decryption thing. It's so awesome, said no one. You know, like, they're like, what? You know, like, this guy is a freak. You know, like, you can't connect with anyone. It's totally boring, but you got to be okay with that. Because the next step is, like, you got six more weeks to automate that shit. You know, and you, you give it to your client, and they're like, oh, that was cool. Good job. Here's your check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's being a professional. You know, like, like do the work, be okay with the affirmation is the check. You it know? reminds me of an ongoing joke that I uh, that is in the ocean community is, where do you hide a body? 
mm -hmm. on Google search results page five because no one ever looks there. Yeah, yeah. go past that. That's, that's or being page one. Yeah. Or twenty. Or Google <laughs> page twenty-one because it doesn't exist actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but these are these things that. Yeah. That's that's how the Silk Roads guy got caught, right? He like some IRS agent searched to like Google page twenty-five, and the answer was just right there, right? Yeah. But the it's funny. So in the army. I remember being deployed with uh, uh, this guy who was way, way cooler dude than me, real operator, and uh, we, we started talking and we had kind of ginned up a relationship and, uh, you know, he's kind of mentoring me through the, like the, you know, this is what they do, this is what I do, and he asked me one day, he's like, hey man, you know, why'd you go PSYOP? Like, why did you do that? And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I thought it would be cooler than it was. And, you know, this guy worked for, you know, special mission unit, like super, you know. He was like, Mr. Operator, badass guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it's like that over here too. And I was like, what, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I thought this would be cooler than it was. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're like the creme de la creme. Exactly. And like, he said, yeah, you know, but like when we do stuff and, you know, we, we want to, we want to do something like it takes six to 12 months to like plan it and like then to execute it. And sometimes like things change and it's just totally kanked, you know, political winds change. So it's the same policy. as development. It sounds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but, we want this feature actually no. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome or, or, or the opposite and um, you just don't know until you yeah. do the work. You just yeah. don't know until you do the work. And, and someone else could be, you could have this, you know, perception of, of someone else or some other group or some, some thing. And until you do the work, you have no idea. It Dude, so that, that rings true with me. And I think that's a good wrap up. Um, and this is kind of like for all the folks out there that, you know, the all 12 listeners, that we have. Um, no, we, we have like 20. Okay, we got 20. Um, the grass is never greener, right? Yeah, absolutely not. You know, like the government guys think the commercial world's got it and the commercial world thinks, ooh, they got super secrets and they're really just really stupid. Um, secrets that aren't really secrets. Um, and you know, you're talking about the psyops versus the, the operator and like there's there's always these, these realities and I think the answer really lies, like, quiet confidence yeah. is a strength. Yeah. Like, if you're looking to feel good enough, keep 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 trace you know chasing that rainbow because it doesn't exist, right? Like, I mean, we could get into theology about it and everything, but like, be okay with just doing your best. And, yeah, and, 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 and feed, doing, striving for excellence on everything and, and do one good job at a time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how we built stuff. Because I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, man, now I've got an official company and I got to like be more awesome and where's the next job going to come? I can't blog. I don't really care about that. Well, I never did really blog well and... Um, Things went well, and it it only went well because I totally decided on that one truth. 
quiet confidence is going to be my strength. I'm going to do just one good job a day yeah. and, and like be present with that and then do the next day and be okay with boring. Yeah. Consistency. That was it. Yeah. Consistency wins the game every day of the week. So yeah. cheers guys. Yeah. Good. Well, there you have it. Consistency.